benefits by going on podcasts, doing webinars that are educational to attract people who are interested in X, Y, or Z, and then speaking at different real estate investment associations. And the one that I think is probably underutilized is partnering with 1031 exchange company, or well, not 1031 exchange companies, but self-directed IRA companies and providing some educational content to those folks. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having John Berg with me today. And this is a special episode. This is the Multifamily Kickstart episode. You guys have been downloading these like crazy. So I think we're just going to continue to do more of these. John, how are things in your part of the world? They're going great. They're going great. Been super busy. We just had our third child. He's two and a half months old. So we've been real busy over here. Man, that's exciting. So tell the listeners a little bit about you and kind of what your background is in investing. And then we can just dive into whatever Q&A you have for me. Okay. So I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma now. My wife got me out here. Her father's side of the family is from down here and her mother's side is from up there. So we went to school together and dated off and on. And long story short, we ended up together and got pulled down here. I enjoy it down here. And uh, as far as investing goes, complete newbie. I've been educating for a couple of years. And as of recently, I've really kind of popped off, started networking with people and finding people that would be interested in partnering and started underwriting some deals and trying to get myself in the space, looking for something that makes sense and somebody that's willing to work with me on it. Outstanding. And so you've taken the first step was getting some education. How'd you bridge that gap? Well, it started a couple of years ago. I was I was wanting to find something different, found bigger pockets, started looking at single family, you know, Brandon Turner talking about all those rental properties. And then I came across a uh, blog post of his about a triplex that he had bought three, three houses on the same property. And, you know, just a slight bulb clicked off, you know, three properties in one, you know, three rents, you know, and then from there, the education just went further, got into, well, how would you do apartments? And then I found Rod Cleef's podcast and I've been listening to Rod Cleef for a while. And, you know, he was, He's really been pretty instrumental in my development. He not only does he talk about how to get into multifamily, what the process is and what, you know, what all that that is and entails, but he also talks about mindset. And man, if you don't get the mindset half of everything, it's, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. I I spent a long time in analysis paralysis just thinking like, okay, okay, I got to get this perfect. I got to understand everything. I got to know it all. And then, you know, finally I've listened to enough Heard him enough times say, you know, you don't have to know everything. You develop your strengths, partner for your weaknesses, find somebody else that'll, you know, work together with you and you can make a strong team. And uh, so this year, really, past couple months has really been kind of exponential. I've been networking on LinkedIn, finding people that are interested, getting into different groups and trying to get on uh, meetups online since, you know, a lot of meetups aren't really meeting up right now with COVID restrictions and whatnot. Hopefully we can get out of all that pretty soon and start meeting people face to face again. Okay. Okay. So 
you jumped into the space and you've listened to podcasts, read any books, do any YouTube videos. Tell me more. How'd you learn how to underwrite since you said you had analysis for paralysis? So I'm underwriting is really just kind of, I went through two of Rod's boot camps and, you know, they go through examples and whatnot. So I'm definitely not an expert at underwriting, but uh, math was always kind of a strong suit for me in school. So it's kind of in my wheelhouse. And so I kind of just took the examples that he gave in his boot camp and, you know, talking to brokers, getting a few deals put in front of me and running the numbers on them. And, you know, I'm not completely 100% confident yet that I know what I'm doing, but I find somebody that does and, you know, hey, does this look right to you? And that, that'll that start building some confidence, find somebody that's willing to mentor you and help develop you. Okay, got it. And so it sounds like you've been doing a lot of the right things. I, I see a big gap, which was you went from, hey, there's a triplex to Rod only talks about syndicating large deals. And so... Yeah. Is that where you feel comfortable jumping in and you're just going to go syndicate a hundred unit building or like what's your business plan and your strategy right now? Well, so right now I, I'm kind of, it's kind of twofold. I'm looking for some smaller properties that I could JV with some people, you know, that are passive, that aren't into syndications, you know, like right now I'm looking at a 16 unit and, you know, if I find the right partner that just wants to put the money down on it, you know, we could do a 50, 50 JV on that or something around that area. But also if, if I could find myself some sweat equity, you know, find a deal, underwrite it, nobody else has seen it, bring it to a syndicator, get on the team, you know, that, that would be great for me too. My, my W2, I'm in healthcare and uh, we, I do facilities and equipment maintenance and, and things of that nature. So I have been involved in remodels and from ground up facility builds and things like that. So project management, things like that, I, I feel pretty comfortable with. I could come in, step in and, you know, say it was a big value add syndication deal. I felt comfortable that I could step in and project manage a GC doing that type of thing. So it's just about making the opportunity to, to get you in the door. Now, that part is interesting because your day job is going to be in a way of you being able to do that in any real capacity, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I mean, it's got a pretty demanding job. Yeah, it's definitely a tight spot for sure. OK. And but so I've got big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And I'm not trying to dash them at all. Oh, I just know the burden. For sure. And I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know if that's what you want for your multifamily investing career. One thing I'll uh, offer a word of caution. When, when you say JV, you need, I'm not an attorney, but every attorney that I've listened to talk and every attorney that I've talked to, when you talk about JVs, everybody's got to be active. Yeah. So using the word passive investor and JV, those two things don't go together. Passive investor is going to be somebody who's buying a security. And usually that's some okay. form of a syndication. So be extremely I careful. I qualify it a little bit more as not, not 100% passive, but somebody that doesn't want to be you know, involved in every aspect, I guess. More, more boots on the ground. Like, like I've been talking to some out-of-state people. And they, they wouldn't be 100% passive. They'd be involved making decisions, things of that nature. But they're obviously not here to handle day-to-day tasks. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma's a great market. And I shouldn't say Oklahoma. I should say Tulsa. I hear great things about Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And I think there's one other market that's pretty attractive out there in that state as well. But, you know, I, I've kind of rambled. What, what questions can I answer for you? How can I help get you kickstarted? So I guess really where I'm at now is I'm... I've been networking. 
I'm in healthcare. I know doctors. I know uh, some lawyers trying to network with people like that. And I want to start building an investor list, I guess. So how, how does one go about creating that aspect of their business? The aspect of the business being the relationships or when you say, what, what do you mean like, by that? So building an investor list. So you have capital to put in a deal. So that is usually tied to some form of elite magnet where you're offering them something in exchange for their email. Now, <laughs> digital marketing is probably one of the most important but toughest skills to master in the industry. And it doesn't really matter what you're doing, whether you've got something to sell or you've got an opportunity to pitch. What I found is the majority of people build their lists by going on podcasts, doing webinars that are educational to attract people who are interested in X, Y, or Z, and then speaking at different real estate investment associations. And the one that I think is probably underutilized is partnering with 1031 exchange company, well, not 1031 exchange companies, but self-directed IRA companies and providing some educational content to those folks. Now, this is going to be somewhat chicken and egg, and the chicken and egg piece of it is really tied to they're going to want you to have some form of track record before they introduce you to the folks that are on their list. Sure. But the, the short answer to the question, and there's a lot of moving parts around it, is you have to have something to offer to people in exchange for their email address. That's how you build the list. And then you have to offer that to them in some one-to-many opportunity, which podcast is typically the method that most people use when they're in multifamily investing. But you, you, when you go on those podcasts in order to be credible, I think it's really important that you've done something, right? Now, yeah. the other way that you can do it without doing anything is, and you have to, yeah, there's a certain way you have to do this, but you just download all the contacts that you have in your phone or in Google to your mail service, right? And send out an initial email asking if you have permission to keep them on the list. You're going to be talking about X, Y, and Z. And then people can opt in and opt out based off of that initial email. And again, I'm not an attorney. Make sure you consult an attorney before you do this. And then you that'll give you your start because you always start with the people you know. And then you can ask for referrals or recommendations. And you know, if you've got some good content, then people usually um, get pretty excited about that and sharing it with other people because they don't have access or exposure to it. And the thing that I've always really, I've gone to is, hey, who do you know that owns an apartment? And that list gets pretty short, at least it did in my world. And so from there, people get intrigued and curious and you can start talking about, well, what if you own an apartment? And kind of go down that line. Now, with that said, educating people who don't have any um, touch points with what you're doing is the longest way to money. It's the longest tell activity because you got to educate them so they get comfortable and then move them yeah. to the next phase. And so going to talk to people who already have that experience, they're already comfortable with the investment. Now they got to get comfortable with you. Okay. So two yeah. strategies, but kind of similar outcome. And it's really just starting with what you have. Um, the other way... Outside of podcasts that I see people grow the list is building a big social media following. And there's one other, but there's a tremendous amount of risk to it. And I think you probably want to have one or the other before that. And that's conferences. And I'll lump those in with meetups. Conferences and meetups give you opportunity to gather folks, be seen as somebody who's a mover and shaker. Conferences typically cost money to put together. Meetups are a lot less. 
I mean, you can get a meetup.com account for like $69 or something. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Well, I guess on the on the backside of that, without getting into questions that a lawyer would have to answer, what do the roles look like when you're bringing people in? You know, you listen to podcasts and stuff, and you hear people talk about you know the three touch rule, things of that nature. When you're when you're bringing people in that you potentially want to invest with you, what's the backside of that look like before you can present them with a deal? So I always back this one up to. Most people are more willing to leave your kids with you than they are their money. I mean, you think about it, you know, somebody you're usually asking $25,000 or more, right? And so if you meet somebody and you don't have a real relationship with them, you ask them for $25,000, kind of look at you like you're crazy. But if you've got a kid and they've got a kid, he's like, oh, yeah, you can just leave your kid here. They're more likely to leave their kid to hang out. So I think about it like this. Why don't you... You want to have a relationship where that person is going to be comfortable leaving their money with you. And so what does that actually take? And I'm going to tell you, it's not the deal, right? The deal is only going to get them comfortable if they know that there's an experienced operator tied to the deal, right? Or you have a really deep relationship. Those are the only two ways that people get comfortable with parking their money there. So knowledge, deal flow, experience, then the capital comes. You're always going up that continuum. I call it a pyramid. So foundationally, you got to be able to talk the talk really well. Then you move it to the next level where you got the deal. Okay, great. The next thing that people are looking for is an experienced operator. And it's not so much the people who are equity investors as much as it is the bank. The bank is not, and they're the biggest partner that you're going to have. They're bringing something between 60 and 80% of the money, right? So to get them comfortable, they're going to be looking for somebody who's executed a similar business plan with a property of similar size. And has the net worth and liquidity to take care of whatever issues may arise. And that's the only way that you're going to get their money to put. So everybody's worried about their twenty five dollars and $50,000 and they feel like the bank money's a slam dunk. If you can get the bank money in, typically you can get the other money in too. So build the experience piece. Find the operator that's in the market that you're in that's already doing the thing that you want to do. Find the deal that makes sense to them and capital will follow them whether it's your partners or people that they already have access to. You put all that together and you've got a magical package. So I was coming to you and trying to pitch a deal to you to, to start that kind of partnership. How would you want somebody to communicate with you? And, and what would you expect out of somebody to, to actually bring them in into a partnership? What would you want to see out of somebody to make something yeah. like that? So, you know, this happens a lot for me. And the short answer is if I don't know you, I'm not going to partner with you. I see these relationships as marriages, right? And it's I'm tying my financial future, especially if we're doing a joint venture deal, especially if it's under 
of $1.3 million valuation because the loan's going to be recourse, especially if you don't have any experience and you haven't actually invested in some real education. So you can be a valuable contributor to the business strategy, due diligence modeling. Like those things are necessary. The deal, I'd rather just pay you what I would pay a broker to bring a deal and then go do the deal on my own. And so really getting to know the person, building a real relationship, a meaningful relationship that gives me an understanding of who you are as a person, right? Making sure that our values and morals are in alignment and understanding like what your end goal is and seeing how that overlaps with what we're trying to accomplish in our business. And if that works and we find that sweet spot, then there's opportunity for us to do a deal. But you know, the worst partnership, the reason that most deals fall apart is because a partnership dies. People stop communicating. People don't see the world the same way. And it's hard to make decisions. And that just leads to the thing spiraling out of control and people selling their deal at a discount because they just don't want to work with that person anymore. And those are those deals that we love to buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing from you right now and, you know, this education that I hear from other places, man, it's just relationships, relationships, relationships. You got to build that trust, build a relationship with somebody before you can ever do anything else with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, think about it. If you were going to go buy a Subway franchise, would you go do it with a stranger? Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you talked about the way that you and your, your wife ended up getting to the place where you got the baby and you've been married and you've made the move. This is a very similar decision for most people. Their apartment building that they buy is going to be the biggest financial investment that they've ever made. Biggest single investment, right? If yeah. you're on the hook for half a million dollars or a million dollars or $10 million, whatever the number is, it's a really big number. And there's some sort of guarantee that comes back to your home if this thing doesn't go right. You want to know that the person that you're partnering with has your back and is going to do everything that they can in order to make sure that this thing is successful. Because once you're in, the only way out is through. Somebody breaking into trying to break into the game like me, what what would be your best advice of how to what would be the process that I should be looking at to most beneficially get into multifamily and find those relationships and build those relationships with people? Yeah. So I think the majority of the educators out there have some form of community where you can engage with other folks who are on the same journey as you. The boot camps are nice. But I mean, they're a weekend and then they're over. And so going through something that's multi-month, engaging in the weekly meetups. And I mean, you're already doing some of these things, so that's outstanding. right? Engaging in the weekly meetups or the monthly meetups that people have. And the great thing about COVID is you can drop in anywhere in the country. So if you weren't going to invest in your own backyard, then you could meet somebody in the market because there's somebody conducting a meetup in that market. Uh, the other thing, because it looks like you're interested in people who have capital to be partners in the deal with you, is go to meetups that are in money states, right? New York, California, get connected with folks in those states who they have capital to place. They're probably already comfortable with the investment. And that right there puts you in this place, especially if they're interested in your market. But you want to become known as John who invests in Tulsa, Oakland. And that way, anytime a deal comes up that's tied to Tulsa, Oklahoma from somebody who doesn't live there, they're going to say, hey, John, I got a deal. I don't know if it works or not, but I got something I want you to look at it. And the opportunity for you to become that source is outstanding. You know, my friend Logan Freeman, 
he, he's called Mr. Kansas City. And people joke about him being more famous than Patrick Mahomes, right? He, he's a pro football player. And I, I just love the fact that, I mean, he's established himself as the guy who has 1031 exchanges. He helps 1031 exchanges come to Kansas City and buy multifamily deals. And the bigger, the better, right? And so if you can establish a reputation as that person, then when those things come up, it's going to trigger people to think about you so that you can get access to whatever opportunities are out there that other people may not get opportunity to see. And this is where a lot of folks new in the game get a little turned around because they say, oh, well, I don't want to niche down too much because then I'll miss the opportunity. But the only way that people will think of you is if they know that's what you do. And if you go out and you say, oh, well, I invest in Oklahoma City, Dallas-Fort Worth, Tulsa, Charlotte. Well, when people talk about North, the Carolinas, they say, I invest in the Carolinas. They, evidently, they buy Greenville, Greensboro, Raleigh, Fayetteville, uh, Charlotte, Greenville, South Carolina. They, they buy all of the Carolinas. People can't help you when they don't know what you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, establish that reputation and just continually talk about it. When you introduce yourself at the meetup, because most folks go around, you know, I'm John, I, I'm doing deals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If anybody's interested in a market, I'm your man, right? And you do that over and over again, and people are going to begin to recognize you as the person that is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if they have a question about the market, yeah, call John, right? If there's a deal that comes up, John, have you seen this one? And that established, and that takes a little bit of time, right? It's not instant, but once you get through that and people start thinking about you in that way, you end up in a really good spot. So I don't know if I really have much else. I, you know, that kind of really parallels a lot of the other insights I'm getting from people. Just kind of become the expert in your area, build your relationships and, and it'll follow. Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say, John, is, you know, you've got to do one of three things, right? Podcast, blog, or meetup. Right. And by creating that content that allows you to become a thought leader. Now, doesn't mean that you're the expert. It just means that you're around the experts. And eventually through doing those things with the experts, you will become the expert because you're niched down on this thing and you're the go-to person for that solution. Right. I, I can't think of anybody who's in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now in my network. So if something comes up, John's your guy for me right now because of this interaction. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Well, shoot, man. I, I appreciate you jumping on with me today and hopefully you got some value from this. And I, I know the listeners will because they're all asking the same questions, man. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the time. Um, yeah. I'm loving what you're doing, bringing newer people in and kind of getting some early on, uh, some insights from people as they're building it. You know, a lot of these podcasts, you, you hear somebody that's, oh, I've got 3,000 doors now, and it's kind of a little bit too far removed for you to really be able to connect to the story. But uh, hearing some stuff about people starting out, it's good stuff. Yeah, man, that that's the game, right? Everybody romanticizes multifamily investing, and it's just big. And you go from zero to 30 million units in a month. And if it's not happening for you, there's something wrong with you. That's just not the experience for most people. A lot of people are taking a year to three years to get their deal done. And you know, people get discouraged when they hear all of these other podcasts. And so it's just my goal to help people stay encouraged and, and get to the next phase. And so we'll wrap this episode with that. And to the listeners, the pack is with you. We'll talk to you soon.
You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.